Welcome to the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Marina Buxov, holistic health coach, clinical herbalist, and functional medicine pharmacist, or just holistic pharmacist for short. Whether you're a healthcare professional helping to support the health of your clients or going through your personal healing journey, I believe you will find yourself right at home with this podcast. My co-hosts and I will be merging the scientific with the holistic all season long, as well as sharing stories that will touch your heart and challenge your mind. Hello, dear listeners. I'm excited to announce the guest of the next two episodes will be Beth Shirley, and she will talk about the wonders happening in the world of nitric oxide supplementation. Today, we dive into her personal and professional journey, and next week, we feature a Journal Club article with my co-host, Jenna Carmichael. Beth Shirley is a registered pharmacist and certified clinical nutritionist who has had a distinguished 40-plus year career. Her specialties include stress-induced hormonal imbalance, intestinal dysfunction, autoimmune and chronic inflammatory issues, detoxification, nutrigenomics, and supernormal oxidative stress. She has been a pioneer at the cutting edge of the evolution of what has now come to be known as integrative pharmacy, the junction between traditional pharmacy and the clinical use of nutritional supplementation. Since 2009, Beth has worked in close collaboration with some of the world's leading thought leaders in the field of nitric oxide research. Through this, she has developed an in-depth knowledge on the topic and its potential beneficial applications in multiple aspects of patient care. In addition, she has worked closely with the scientific community and cutting edge companies working on innovative nutritional ingredients and approaches to their use for a variety of life's challenges. So without further ado, let's welcome Beth to the show. Hi, welcome back to the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I have with me today a special guest as always. I have Beth Shirley, who is a registered pharmacist and certified clinical nutritionist here on the show today. So welcome to the show, Beth. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. So I'd love to dive in and um, ask you about your personal history, where you grew up, and what led you to become a pharmacist. I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, and I wanted to become a pharmacist at a pretty young age. I was always interested in the medical field, but I also wanted something that I knew could support me and could take me anywhere I wanted to go because I knew at a very early age that I was moving out of Omaha, Nebraska. So I went to Creighton University in Omaha. And then after I got out of school, I actually, my, my first job in 1977 was a clinical pharmacy right inside of a doctor's office. Wow. So way back then, I was triaging with the doctors and the nurses on the patient therapy. Wow. Then, yeah. But then when he, he built a new building and he wanted me to take like the prime spot in the building, like this corner um, space to have a pharmacy, but I knew that would keep me in Omaha forever. So I said, thanks, but no thanks. And headed off looking for a warmer place to live. Wow. So how did you land that job? Were you looking for something like that or how did that happen? Just um, at the right place at the right time. 
I had known, I had known the woman that was working with him and like she had a little pharmacy outside of his office, but this was just like right inside of his office. So, you know, I actually screened all of his calls and, and just found that there was so many things that I could help with before it even got to take up his time. Wow. Amazing. And did you learn those clinical skills at school or on the job as you went along? On the job, on the job. So this is when um, the first tricyclic antidepressants were coming on the market. Elavil had been on the market, but this was like a new, a new one, the nortriptyline, Pamelar. Mm-hmm. So actually we even did one of the first studies like in you know, not the first study with, with the drug, but just in the general population. So we, like he put them on the nortriptyline and I followed these people. Wow. What's interesting though, with the antidepressants, was it really the antidepressants or was it somebody caring enough to call every single week and find out how you're doing? Mm. That played a big role in it too. Such a good point. Yeah. And we all know how the placebo effect is so powerful. And now we're introducing this variable where a person cares enough to check in. And um, that could definitely skew the results, I think. Positively. <laughs> yeah, positively. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So how did that first experience influence you and affect the trajectory of your career? Well, then when that quit, I took off in my little car and I started checking out grad schools and I checked out, you know, like uh, UT Dallas, checked out UT Austin. I checked out um, UT San Antonio. And then I went down and checked out the the med school in, in Tampa, in Atlanta. But when I got to San Antonio to check that out, I just, I walked in another right at the right time, talked to the right person and somebody had just given up their fellowship. So he told me if I could be like, this was in July, if I could be down there in September that I could have that fellowship. Wow. So, so I um, was working on a PhD in neuropsychopharmacology, working on the GABA receptors of the brain. That was just right after the GABA receptors got uh, discovered. Candace Pert. Have you ever heard of Candace Pert? I don't think so. Uh, she's, yeah, look her up. She's done some, some amazing work, written some good books. Thank but you. I will. I did that for about a year, but when sometimes it's like, like, oh, BS is bullshit. MS is more of the same and PhD piled <laughs> higher and deeper. There's a lot of politics when you start working on your PhD. So I, after about a year, I said, no, this really isn't for me. Mm. Interesting. Wow. So you had the experience at the doctor's office, clinical experience, then you wanted to get more of the research experience under your belt. So what did you do next? I worked for a variety of independent pharmacies throughout the years. But then 
I guess how it got me into the nutritional part is by the time I was 35, I was really depressed. And I went to the doctor and all they had to offer me was antidepressants. And so I fought that for a couple of years. And then when I was 37, I went back and I, I you know, I succumbed and I started taking the antidepressants because things were just kind of out of control. But then when I hit 40, I was going, there's got to be something else going on here. Mm. So I re- re- read Dr. Jonna Lee's book, What Your Doctor May Not Tell You About Menopause. And this told me about natural progesterone. And I was kind of like, he was listing all of these things that go, go haywire when your estrogen isn't balanced with progesterone. So I started using some natural progesterone cream and within nine months I was off the antidepressants and just doing the, the natural progesterone cream. I was going, man, you know, I didn't have a Paxil deficiency. I had a hormone <laughs> deficiency. So right. that got me down the road. That's when I, I then I started uh, studying to be a CCN. And in 1997, I became a certified clinical nutritionist and became the pharmacist to go to if you wanted to get off meds or not even go down that road to begin with. And so- when you start putting yourself out like that, as a pharmacist, you're right there. You know, you've got a never ending supply of people you can help people that know that there's another way. They just don't know what it is. So were you helping people from the pharmacy bench, so to speak, or were you consulting them on the side? Both. And then I also started a monthly women's health seminar. Because if the progesterone could help me like that, and then when I started learning about, you know, basic nutrients like activated B vitamins, magnesium, you know, and vitamin C to support the adrenals, that was like another step on, on balance. So I wanted to help all these women because they weren't getting the help they needed. And if, if the woman feels better, it's pretty much a miracle. Every, everybody around her starts feeling, feeling better. I mean, she starts, you know, paying attention to the food they're buying, what she's cooking, what she's serving. And, you know, cause it's like, mama's not happy. Nobody's happy. Yeah. <laughs> but if mama's happy, the whole family is stronger. Yeah. It's like the ripple effect. Yeah. And so I, I, I started learning about the bioidentical hormone replacement and going to, you know, every conference I could, you know, Dr. Um, Jonathan Wright, he wrote the first book on bioidentical hormone replacement. So I went to a bunch of his conferences, Terry Hertog, a third generation endocrinologist from, from Belgium, a bunch of his, um, a bunch of these people, I was, you know, I just, I, I was trying to, actually, I was, there's a, you know, and I was trying to figure out what was going on with me too. Yeah. Yeah. So I taught most of the, the practitioners in Austin, how to do bioidentical hormone replacement. Amazing. I was, I was instructing all the women 
and then they were going to their doctors and then they needed doctors to go to that would understand what they were saying. Yeah. Wow. One person's journey and experience, like we said, can have a whole ripple effect on so many lives and professions. Yeah. So I, I used to get in trouble like all the time. Because <laughs> like, you know, when, you know, in, in Texas, you have to consult on every new prescription. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there is there are some drugs that, you know, I didn't really agree with which eventually, you know, even some, you know, in six months were removed from the market. Wow. So when somebody would ask, would ask me questions, I would go, do you really want to know? Because if you really want to know, I'll tell you, you know, what do you think about this? Yeah. Well, if you really want to know, I'll tell you. Yep. And some people did and some people didn't, you know, but there was a lot of resistance in the medical community at first to having somebody tell women there was another way besides the allopathic way. Right. And I often feel it's because we fear the unknown. So in order for us to dispel the fear, we first have to know what we're up against. So, you know, arguing from ignorance or believing something from ignorance is a choice. Like I personally think we need the informed uh, consent or informed information, like, like way of making a decision before you can make a decision. Yeah. They just, they just were uninformed. They didn't know, you know, all of, all they knew was the allopathic way. Mm-hmm. When I started my women's health seminars, when I first started, sometimes one, maybe two people might show up, but I kept at it every month. So in, in 2002, this is when the Women's Health Initiative hit the airwaves. And this is when they said these hormones were bad. They caused cancer. So all of these doctors were just pulling women off of their hormones and not doing anything to help them. Yeah. And just putting these women in tailspins. So for probably about six months, I was doing these seminars every one to two weeks, filling up this room of 30 people of women wanting to know, you know, because they weren't getting their hormones anymore. What can they do? Yeah. Because we all know stress makes your hormone balance worse. So there was a lot of things we could do over the counter to put back balance. And then if we did need some other hormones, I had, you know, specific doctors that I had trained and had lined up that we could help these women. Wow. What a powerful story. And as far as your clinical nutritionist degree, how did that play a role in all of this? immense role. When you start learning about the true biochemistry mm-hmm. of what is going on in the body. And because like when, when you're in pharmacy school, you learn about the drugs, you learn yeah. about that biochemistry. Yeah. 
you know, but there's a lot of hidden biochemistry there that they don't teach you, mm. you know, cause see, I don't even call them side effects anymore. I call them adverse effects, right? Are known clinical effects of the drug. These aren't side effects. So the, the CCN program, you know, once you do that, you never think about things in the same way ever. Cause you go, I know how to support that biochemistry instead of, instead of giving anti this anti that things that actually stop processes in your body. Even for example, PPIs, proton pump inhibitors. I remember when they were put first put on the market, insurance would only pay for a six week therapy mm -hmm. using them because they knew how damaging this really was, you know, and now the PPIs are over the counter. Yeah. People have been on them for decades and this has stopped processes in your body. In fact, it's intimately connected with the nitric oxide, which is one of my passions now, but it stops the production of nitric oxide through both pathways, through the NOS pathway in the nitrate to nitrite to nitric oxide pathway. And when you impair nitric oxide, you're impairing circulation and microcirculation. And when you have impaired circulation and microcirculation, you cannot and will not heal. Cells have to be at least, you know, close enough to two cells away from a microcapillary. So if that microcapillary isn't open, being able to deliver oxygen, glucose, and nutrients, and just as important, carry away the cell cellular debris, then that cell is going to die. And there's going to be tissue damage. So when you learn, like, really the biochemistry of our foods, of nutrients, and then what these, these meds do to you, you, you don't, you know, you, you never think the same again. Wow. So when did you first discover this passion for nitric oxide? And can you tell us a little bit more about it? Sure. I could, I could talk all day. On that. <laughs> but I wanted to add one more thing. Um, the early 2000s at my store, I started a drug nutrient depletion program. Mm -hmm. Because every single drug will deplete specific nutrients from the body. So like, and antibacterials, antibiotics will deplete, you know, your, your good flora. The birth control pills deplete a big one, B6. Mm -hmm. And when you don't have enough B6, you can't make your serotonin. And that's why birth control pills and, and antidepressants go hand in hand. So what I did was like, um, the different classes of the drugs, I would have different color-coded little pieces of paper that would that we would stape to, staple to the, the bag that would tell somebody which nutrient that prescription was depleted. So this got the conversation going. 
And yeah, maybe we didn't fill as many prescriptions like the birth control pills and the antidepressants. Yeah. You know what? People were healthier. They were happier. And we were more than making it up, you know, with the loss of revenue from the prescriptions on the nutrient sales. Yeah. Is that, that's, a, that's, you know, the nutrient sales, you've got, you know, a 50% markup. You yeah. don't have, you know, you're lucky if you can make a few bucks on a prescription. Yeah. Now it's worse than ever. So it is. It's really barely bad. Yeah. Yeah. Negative reimbursement is a thing now. So, um, like, how do they expect you to even be able to stay in business? They don't really care. My question. Exactly. They don't really care. They don't really. Yeah. I think whoever can't afford to stay in business is basically asked to leave the building. (laughs) Um, That's where the compounding and the nutrients. Yeah. This is where it really is important. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a smart system. I actually just had a guest on the show that was telling us about similar systems that he's implementing in pharmacies. And it's literally about having that systematic approach where, uh, yeah, it takes a lot of time to counsel someone, as we were saying, but if you have an organized way to present the information and to get other staff involved as well, to just like flag these things and bring it to the attention of the patient and start the conversation, you know, a lot of doors can open. Because we still are a a trusted health care provider. And we're the most accessible. Okay, people can walk in. <laughs> yep. And, and get no you. appointment necessary. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes on Saturdays when I'd be working, there'd be a line of like five and six people just waiting to ask me questions. Mm-hmm. You know, and they all just, you know, stood there patiently because they knew by the time I would get to them that I, I would, you know, be there with them and answer their questions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we we pay attention and we give attention, even though our job has become quite demanding and, you know, time consuming. Um, Chain pharmacies, especially, it's like, you know, very, very rigid in terms of time they could spend with patients. But in independent settings, at least there's a little bit more of that patient relationship with the pharmacist. Yeah, I I tried that for, I think about two years was the max that I could handle that. And then I, then I, then I actually found people's pharmacy here in Austin. And that's where I, I started this, all the the wellness program, put all the vitamins in and, and started the, the, the seminars and the education because we're really good at educating. We have a lot of knowledge to share. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find the same. So tell us a little bit more now about the nitric oxide okay. molecule. You know, when has that piqued your interest? What have you done to educate yourself more on it? And how do you implement it in practice now? Well, nitric oxide, the miracle molecule, it touches every single physiological process. Like I said, when you have impaired circulation and microcirculation, nothing works right. So in 2009, 
I was associated with um, the Neo 40 people. And I helped formulate that before it got onto the market. And I was in on the initial um, marketing and distribution of it. So I, from 2009, I've been like talking with the nitric oxide researchers. I've been learning about nitric oxide. And then about uh, three years ago, I got hooked up with Berkeley Life, which is a nitrate-based product. So like we have two ways we can make nitric oxide, one through the nitric oxide synthase enzyme, the NOS enzyme, but so this takes arginine and makes nitric oxide, but there's so many epigenetic factors that can uncouple NOS or make it dysfunctional, like age, diet, the standard American diet devoid of nitrate rich veggies or all these essential cofactors, the lack of exercise, the drugs, like antibiotics, antifungals, antidepressants, birth control pills. That's why birth control pills, they don't want you to take them after age 35 and not if you're smoking, because this just compounds that nitric oxide deficiency. Mm -hmm. NSAIDs, look at all those NSAIDs they pulled from the market for causing all these problems, the strokes, the kidney disease, and all these things. That's from nitric oxide deficiency. Those PPIs, which are everywhere. Glyphosate, everywhere. This uncouples that NOS enzyme. Pollution, oxidative stress, genetic SNPs, or a little genetic like pattern might influence how you make nitric oxide. And the big one, stress. See, the thing is, is when when NOS becomes uncoupled, it becomes a superoxide generator, not a nitric oxide generator. Hmm. And then superoxide uncouples that NOS even more. So you're on this bad, vicious cycle. Right. But supporting that nitrate to nitrite to nitric oxide pathway bypasses that NOS. And in fact, the nitrates help recouple that NOS, so you're decreasing oxidative stress. So you get your nitrates with your, your high nitrate rich veggies are your arugula, spinach, um, butter lettuce, bok choy, celery, beets. All of these things can help raise that nitric oxide. But studies show it takes three to 400 milligrams of nitrate to make these physiological changes or to increase exercise endurance. And you never know exactly how much you're getting in the vegetables. Right. Because the vegetables grown in different areas are going to have different concentrations of nitrates. But with the Berkeley Life, you get a precise amount of nitrates, about 320 milligrams, which is exactly what the studies show you need. So two capsules of the Berkeley Life will give you approximately the same amount of nitrates that are in five ounces of spinach or seven ounces of beets. Do you recommend juicing vegetables to get the nitrates? 
yeah, if you've got the, you know, the right vegetables, there's a way you can tell whether you're getting enough or not. Mm -hmm. So Berkeley Life has a test strip. It's a saliva test strip. And this test strip is actually testing your nitrite concentration in your saliva. Mm. So we consume the nitrates that get absorbed, circulate around. They actually concentrate in the salivary glands. The salivary glands release the nitrate. And we've got good bacteria on our tongue that will reduce that nitrate to nitrite. Mm. And that's what the test strip is testing. So nitrite is an immediate precursor to nitric oxide. Right. Yeah. So what do you do to support patients in a holistic way? Like how would you counsel them to make sure they're getting enough nitrates? Well, when people come to see me, what, I, what I'll do is I'll, I'll test them first. And I can, I can tell you probably a good 95% of them are low. And then I'll give them a couple of capsules. And then by the end of the consult, I'll retest them. And then within an hour, hour and a half, you will start seeing that level come up. Wow. And how cool is that to give somebody something that they can actually see it's doing something? Mm-hmm. How many times do we give somebody something that they have no idea whether it's doing anything <laughs> yeah. at all? Okay. I'm taking it because she said, you know, and I believe her. Yeah. But this is something that people can actually see. And most people, they can actually feel. Because when you improve circulation to the brain, this makes your cognition and your thinking so much better. Being able to deliver that oxygen, glucose, and nutrients to the brain. Now, is there anything else we can do to support the nitric oxide levels in our body, like lifestyle wise or anything else? Yeah. Um, don't use mouthwash. So anything like the mouthwash, um, studies have shown that that certain mouthwash actually destroy the microbiome in the mouth. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have that good bacteria there, then you can't make that that change that that reduction of nitrate to nitrite mm -hmm. same with fluoride toothpaste fluoride is like antibacterial or the whitening toothpaste which has hydrogen peroxide which can disturb the microbiome mm -hmm. any antibiotics that mess up you know our microbiome but the beautiful thing about nitrate supplementation is with continued use you're actually rebuilding these microbiomes. You're rebuilding your microbiomes in your gut, in your oral cavity, on your skin, in your brain, in your urinary tract, everywhere where you've got a microbiome, nitrates are supporting the health of that microbiome. Wow. The nitrates help protect against leaky gut. And how many people sitting in front of you have a leaky gut from, from the glyphosate, from, you know, from all of these things, from the food they're eating, changing, you know, the tight junctions in your gut. EMF, EMF increases oxidative stress. 
oxidative stress uncouples that NOS enzyme. Right. And we're just swimming in the sea of EMF. I mean, we're doing doing it right now, yeah. you know. <laughs> so a good way to protect yourself is just make sure you have enough nitrate on board. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, are there any contraindications or patient populations that should not or would not benefit from this supplementation? I, I use it as a base supplement because it will help whatever you're doing for somebody to work better because you want to give, if you're giving somebody some, something, you want it to get to where it needs to go. And so by improving your circulation and microcirculation, it allows whatever you're doing to get where it needs to go. Stem cells is how we repair in our body. Stem cells require nitric oxide in order to mobilize and differentiate, which means they require nitric oxide in order to go where they need to go and do what they need to do. So that's how we heal. We need good nitric oxide for sexual function. And not just the men either. Okay. We all know about the little blue pill, the yeah. PDE5 <laughs> inhibitors. So these PDE5 inhibitors need adequate nitric oxide in order to work. Right. So you need the nitric oxide in order to get the erection. These PDE5 inhibitors allow it to hang around longer. Yeah. But us women need it too. We need the nitric oxide in order to be able to feel down there, to be able to respond. And lubrication is nitric oxide mediated. So as women, if we can't feel and we're not lubricated, do you think we even think about sex? Yeah, which is why I've heard of the PDE5s used for women as well. Right. But we've had a lot of people actually use the Berkeley Life and they don't need those PDE5 inhibitors mm -hmm. anymore because they're making their nitric oxide. They're decreasing their oxidative stress because erectile dysfunction is usually the first sign of cardiovascular disease. Right. So you know the circulation and microcirculation is impaired if you can't get an erection. So it's not just there that it happens. It's everywhere. It's in the brain. It's everywhere in the heart. Yeah. Could you speak to the biochemistry of nitric oxide as how, I'm sorry, of nitrates as how it is um, present in some vegetables and maybe some other food sources? And then is there a difference between, you know, some of the nitrates that are present in like hams and other cured foods? Okay, so the nitrates in vegetables is actually the same nitrates they use in, in curing these meats. And the whole idea that these nitrates in meats causes cancer has been disproven years ago, but it keeps being repeated and repeated. 
So all you need is just a little bit of antioxidant, a little bit of vitamin C to, and it prevents the nitrosamine formation. So when you see like hot dogs and, or, you know, whatever, and they say no nitrates, nitrate, nitrites added, what they have used is celery powder. Okay. Celery seed powder. Okay. Which actually has more nitrates in it than if they would have just added 10 milligrams of nitrate or nitrite. Right. Cause like some of those hot dogs have like 460 milligrams of nitrates when there's no nitrates added from that celery seed as a high nitrate vegetable. So a lot of times, like when you look at these like cold cuts and things like that, you will see that they have added like a vitamin E or a vitamin C um, isomer. They've added like a molecule that's one of those antioxidant molecules to there. So you're not making the nitrosamines. So this is something that they saw in the test tube, but in real life, not so much. So the DASH diet, the dietary approaches to stop hypertension, this has been shown to, um, as a, a viable tool, tool to, um, instead, of, instead of meds, to get somebody's blood pressure down. So the DASH diet has approximately 12 to 1500 milligrams of nitrates per day because it's so loaded with these vegetables. So that would be like taking two of the Berkeley Life four to five times a day. And most people aren't gonna do that. But still, even if you did, you'd be getting what you got in the DASH diet. Right. And so why do these nitrates form more readily in some foods and veggies versus others? Is there like some process? Yeah, it's just the dark green, a lot of the dark green vegetables, because they're just sopping them up, you know, from the ground. In fact, the way these nitrates are, are, are formed in the ground is from lightning. Lightning strikes the ground. So that's why there's such a wide variety on nitrate concentration in these foods, even if it's the same food, like celery in New York City has less nitrates than celery in Dallas. Mm. And more than likely, you know, where it's grown. And as far as the supplements, what do they usually source the nitrates in the supplements from? Well, it's, it, there is a little bit of fermented beetroot, but it is, it's a lab potassium nitrate. Okay. Because um, there are a lot of people that are really sick that actually have an issue with oxalate. So arugula has the highest nitrate concentration with the, without oxalates. But all the other high nitrate vegetables, if somebody has an oxalate issue, they might have an issue with that. Right. With the Berkeley Life, there's only like about 10 milligrams of fermented beetroot. So you're not going to have an oxalate issue. So it's actually 
you know, like if somebody has oxalate issues, this is a cleaner way to do it. Wow, that's so interesting. So tell us about how you work with patients now, or what do you do now for work? What, what does your consultation practice look like? Well, I do a lot of consulting for nutritional companies now. So I work with the Berkeley Life. I do all of their research. I do their webinars. On YouTube, I have a bunch of my webinars on the Berkeley Life professional page. I've got nitric oxide mental health, nitric oxide and immune health, which is really important right now. Nitric oxide and sexual health. Um, uh, there's a bunch of them on, on there. Nitric oxide and hormones. You need nitric oxide to, to make your LHRH in the brain, luteinizing hormone, releasing hormone. And this LHRH is what guides the production of LH and FSH, which go down to the testes and ovaries to make your estrogen, progesterone, your testosterone. Right. But how many of us, you know, are, are low on nitric oxide? to even make that LHRH. Estrogen is really powerful NOS stimulator, nitric oxide synthase. That's the enzyme that takes arginine to make nitric oxide. So that's why us women can hold on to our ability to make nitric oxide a little better than men until we reach about menopause age. And then it kind of evens out. So by the time we're 40, our ability to make nitric oxide through that NOS pathway is only about 50%. Wow. And by the time we're 60, it's only about 15%. So, so cardiovascular disease is still the number one killer. So that's why it is so imperative to support that nitrate to nitrite to nitric oxide pathway or for healthy longevity. Wow, it's so fascinating. It's, it is pretty fascinating. Yeah, and it makes sense in a lot of the things that we see in physiology and aging and female health, as you were saying. Well, the RAS cycle, the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system. So this is where, you know, like your ACE and your ARBs work. Yeah, like trying to downregulate that. However, nitric oxide deficiency upregulates that RAS cycle. The RAS cycle decreases the production of nitric oxide. So you're on this bad, vicious cycle again. Yeah. So that RAS cycle, not only does it decrease the nitric oxide, it increases oxidative stress increases your inflammatory cytokines, like your interleukin-6, increases this other enzyme called NADPH oxidase, whose only job it is, is to make superoxide. Wow. So we've got like all of these cycles. Yeah, a biochemical soup. Yeah, that all these meds, are trying to like anti-hypertensive, anti-this, anti-this. Well, let's just support 
the real biochemistry here. Let's support and give the body what it needs without any side, any adverse effects, just supporting the biochemistry. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm super impressed and inspired by your journey and your story. And I would love if you could tell us um, kind of like an overview of what you feel like the driving force was for you to, um, as we spoke about, have like these um, serendipitous almost opportunities show up and, you know, saying no to some and saying yes to others and how that led you to this whole path and what you do today? Well, in 2012 at the pharmacy, I got really sick. The pharmacy that I was running was right next door to a dry cleaners. And so all of this stuff that I've been learning in functional and integrative medicine since 1996 allowed me to stay there way longer than I should have. Because mm. those chemicals are solvents. They dissolve fats. That's how they clean our clothes. But they were dissolving. They were dissolving like my, you know, your cells have that lipid bilayer. Yeah. You know, I, I had a massage and I got a hematoma. Whoa. You know, my brain was going because our brains are mostly fat. So in 2012, I, I quit and then went on a, a healing journey. And like I even moved to California for a couple of years because I thought I was dying. And I always wanted to live by the ocean before I died. So I found a really nice place like north of San Diego in Del Mar that overlooked the ocean and Torrey Pines and Penasquitas Lagoon, just really nice place. And I walked the beach a lot. Wow. And, and ran into one of my old teacher and mentors, Dr. Jim Lavelle. So Dr. Jim Lavelle, um, look at his work. This guy, he has been, he was my original teacher and mentor. He is a pharmacist. He's originally a pharmacist. And now he adds the education for A4M. And he has a, he has a program called the metabolic code that you can put somebody's labs in and they fill out a questionnaire and this metabolic code will come back out and tell you which system needs to be addressed first and give you, you know, some suggestions on how to do that. But we, we started me on some homeopathic because all of this stuff that I had learned to do, even like the IV glutathione and all of these IVs were actually making me worse. So we started on some homeopathy to help my body start releasing these chemicals. And then once we released the chemicals, then the big job was repairing the damage that they had done. Repairing, like it felt like there was holes in my brain. So then I went down the genomic pathway. Okay, why did my why did I react to glutathione like that? Because most people, you give them glutathione and, and they feel great, but it made me worse. 
So then that laid, led me down the genomic path and, and trying to figure out really what's going on. And there's, there's um, oxidative stress and inflammation at the bottom of every single chronic physiological issue. And part of that was iron dysregulation because that increases oxidative stress. Wow. And then a nitric oxide deficiency because that nitric oxide can actually help you balance that iron dysregulation. So there's a Dr. Bob Miller, who's got the best genomic program. Cause I, I put my, I put my results through every single, but every single program that I could find. And Dr. Bob Miller, he's a traditional naturopath in Pennsylvania. And his nutrigenomic program is the most in-depth, the most researched, and more information there than you could ever imagine. So I've I've done some presentations to his group and we've worked together on, on a few like of the pathways mm-hmm. where the nitrate affects all of these things like um yeah, go to the nutrigenomic website for Dr. Bob Miller and just look at some of his pathway charts. They are outstanding. And I helped, you know, clarify a lot of the nitric oxide. Because like years ago, when I first started looking into the genomics, he always talked about how dangerous peroxynitrite is. So when you read all these studies in the literature, and they talk about how dangerous nitric oxide is because of the peroxynitrite molecule. So when nitric oxide combines with superoxide, it makes a molecule called peroxynitrite. And in the literature, they keep blaming peroxynitrite for cellular tissue and damage. However, this is an assumption because they do not even measure the peroxynitrite. They are measuring nitrotyrosine and they are assuming that peroxynitrite was there. But there's other molecules that can nitrosate tyrosine. So this is one of my big things that I've been educating too, like my my nitric oxide and EMF webinar on YouTube. I really, I, I put a few slides in the, the peroxynitrite non-issue. Because peroxynitrite is a molecule, it's O-N-O-O. So, but there, like in the nitric oxide research community, they're, they're actually showing that peroxynitrite isomerizes to NO3, which is nitrate. Mm-hmm. which is inert. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, like it's assumed that the peroxynitrite was there and did the damage. However, remember when I said when NOS is uncoupled, yeah, it becomes a superoxide generator. So I think it's a superoxide that's doing the damage 
not the nitric oxide. Wow, fascinating again. So I have just two more questions for you. Um, one is, what do you think was the most profound part of your own healing journey? I know it's probably multifactorial, but is there one thing that you feel like had the biggest impact? Those, those, home, those homeopathy formulas. See, Jim has this machine, it's called an avatar. It's an electroacupuncture meridian machine. And this machine is so cool. We actually figured out what the chemicals were in my body and we made anti-waves to them. And what was interesting after, you know, like we, we changed my formulas every month. Mm -hmm. And by the time we had done like eight or nine months, we were getting down to some chemicals that were in my body that aren't even used anymore, but the signature was still in my body. So I grew up around Omaha, Nebraska, where there's like, I didn't live on a farm, but there's all these farms around there. We actually found some chemicals that were used back in the 60s, farming chemicals that my body had kind of hold, held on to like the signature. So we could make like an anti-wave to that. Wow. Yeah, that does sound very complex and also amazing. It's, it is amazing. Yeah, when I, I didn't know it at the time when I was um, kind of losing my brain at the pharmacy, when those chemicals were affecting my brain, mm -hmm. I started to get into energy medicine. Because, you know, with energy medicine, you, you don't have to think. Yeah. Okay. You're more feeling. Mm -hmm. seeing with with other parts of yourself so I really started to get into energy medicine because it seemed like you know there was a lot of people that I could take and get them well but there was always like a little bit more that it seemed like we needed to do and with the energy medicine part this allowed us to even go further Wow. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. And lastly, I want to ask you, how did you make a name for yourself with consulting and having companies reach out to you and, you know, building your impact and your business in that way? You have to get out there and talk. Okay. You can't, you know, hide behind your computer and, you know, or stay in your house or, you know, even just stay in your pharmacy. I got out there and talked. Like I started those women health seminars. And like I said, when I first started, sometimes one or two people would show up, but then pretty soon the word got out. You know, I, I didn't work on Thursdays as a pharmacist. I, I would schedule consults and my, my days were full. You just, you know, I had, I had a couple doctors here in Austin that I did all their hormone patients. They had Beth's labs. They knew which labs I wanted. They would run those labs on the hormone patients, send them to me. Then I would consult with them and make the recommendations for the bioidentical hormones. So you've got to get out there and talk to people. 
because because they won't they won't find you if you're not showing yourself (laughs) putting yourself out there you've got to put yourself out there but even in my my women's hormone seminars i charge 25 bucks ahead but you don't even have to do that you know just just you know get a room you know and, and just you know we just did flyers at the store and pretty soon people will understand, oh, she knows what she's talking about. Yeah. And word gets around. Awesome. So, yeah, I didn't have, I didn't pay for any kind of advertisement or anything like that. Just word of mouth. But you got to talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing those tips with us as well. And we just have about a minute left. Are you up with, for some really quick rapid fire round questions? Sure. Okay. So what's your biggest clinical pearl um, that you have learned and, and, or what can somebody do to improve their quality of life right now? Well, you can take the Berkeley life. You can take, well, any kind of nitrate up your nitrates, whether it's nitrate rich veggies or somehow because this will help protect you from EMF. This helps protect against glyphosate. So, cause even if you're, you're eating organically, glyphosate is in the air everywhere, you know? So optimize your circulation, microcirculation. Cause if you don't have that, you don't have anything. Love it. Um, second fun question. What's your favorite hobby or pastime? I, I live in Austin. I live close to the hike and bike trail. And this is a, a 10 mile um, path around. Um, I still call it Town Lake. They call it Ladybird Lake now. But it's this fabulous place where I go walk almost every single day. You know, egrets and herons and cormorants wow. and turtles and fish. Nature Walking therapy. Around, huh? Nature yeah. therapy. <laughs> It is. That's my favorite. Awesome. And what's your favorite food to cook and eat? I like vegetables and proteins. I, you know, I, I really, my friend, the doctor, she's trying to get me to not eat so many salads, but I really love (laughs) salads. You know, she thinks that as we get older, that we, we need to cook our vegetables more. But I, I love salads and then putting like some proteins on there. That's my favorite. Nice. That's a very healthy snack or food. <laughs> awesome. Well, I want to thank you so much, Beth, for coming on, sharing your journey and your wisdom with us. And I'd love it if you could tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you, learn more about your educational webinars. And of course, I'll have the links in the show notes as well. Okay. Well, I, I post a lot on LinkedIn. So Beth Shirley on LinkedIn, um, on Facebook also. And then on Facebook, there's, there's a, a page called the Berkeley Life Professional Forum. And there, like yesterday, I just posted this, this article on how nitric oxide is essential to prevent the virus, recovery of the virus, and now even recovery from the shots. 
On YouTube, I've got a bunch of webinars like the nitric oxide and immune health. That's a really good one. And the e nitric oxide and EMF, that's my latest one. So a lot of good information. Some of it is pretty geeky with a lot of like, um, you know, biochemistry. We like However, that. This, is, this is what it's all about. It's all about the biochemistry and the interaction between these. Yeah. We like that. Our crowd likes that. So thank you so much. Good. <laughs> and, and I know I've gotten a lot of questions about recovery and, you know, post uh, C symptoms and all of that. So I'm sure people love to get any more insight on that. Yeah. Recovery from the shot or the, the illness. Um, I really do, re recommend high dose, like two capsules, three times a day, at least for a couple of weeks. And then you can drop it down to two capsules twice a day. But I, I've, I've saved a lot of people's brains. I've had some people tell me, is my brain going to be like this forever? Yeah. Not if you improve your circulation. Awesome. Well, again, Beth, thank you so much. I know you're just a powerhouse of information and clinical pearls. So um, maybe we'll have you back on the show at some point to do some journal clubs. That and sounds good. Yeah, we'll see you then. Have a All great right. week ahead. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you learned something new from it, I'd love if you could leave us a five-star review and share it with a friend who might love it too. You can find me on any of the podcast and social media platforms by looking up Holistic Pharmacist or Dr. Marina Booksub. Thank you for your support and see you next time.